Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are live. What's up, everybody? Welcome into West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and the entire state of Pennsylvania. I'm Joel Bracken. You can find me on Twitter at WVStatsGuy. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. We are kicking off the Deep Dive series today, Jordan. Uh, how was it starting to, to look for some 2023 um, in-depth football guides? Well, it gets the juices flowing again. Um... And yeah, these two teams in particular, right? It's it's been fun to dive in. Obviously, uh, a little bit familiar with Pitt from last year. Um, there's some familiar, familiar names, familiar faces uh, still on the roster. But uh, nice diving into Penn State, an old foe. Um, never seen us play Penn State, so it's good. Kind of peeling back the layers there. Um, you know, less less exciting what what I think our conclusions are about Penn State, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But um, no, it's been it's been great. Awesome. Yeah, it's been fun getting back into it. Um, obviously, these are two teams that are regional, mean a lot to people, depending on your age. Um, and you know what? They're going to be tough. Like, this is a, a tough out-of-conference schedule. So um, we are talking Penn State and Pitt today, our deep dive series kicking off, just like we did it last year. Um, we'll probably do two teams, an episode. We're not counting Duquesne. You can lump them in since we're talking all of Pennsylvania. Um but yeah, we're going to do two teams an episode. We're going to talk through just like what you need to know coming into the season. Uh, that can be coaches, players, you know, who's gone, who's come in the transfer portal um, and schedule things like, you know, just all the sort of things to be on the lookout for. So starting off out of conference style. Um, but there was news in the conference this week. We did get the 2023 preseason poll. Um, out of the Big 12, um, your West Virginia Mountaineers coming in at a lower spot than was even possible last year. You couldn't be 14th, but now we got all these extra teams and we are 14th out of 14 teams, um, which, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but it is a, it is a gathering of perceptions. And this is the perception of the West Virginia, you know, football program right now is that, People are picking teams that have not played in Power 5 conferences, all four of them, uh, above the Mountaineers. Do you think that's fair? Do you think that is um, the correct decision, like with your emotions aside? Or um, could this be a good thing? I don't know. Uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, bulletin board material, whatever. Um, fair? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue, right? You know, I think, like you said, this is a measure of perce- perceptions, and uh, the fact of the matter is, is we, there's the narrative around our program is pretty bad right now, right? We're, we're down bad. Um, I don't think this necessarily means that we are the worst team in the conference. I think, you know, if you look at what Vegas thinks, if you look at what some of the folks out there who are doing uh, some some analytical uh, analytical analysis of, of Big 12 teams, um, they don't think that we're the worst team. But, I mean, it's hard to argue. You know, this is just simple reality of, of where we are right now. Yeah, and if you're the bottom couple, I don't mind being last, to be honest. Like, hey, they picked you. every single team you're playing. Hey, they they thought, everyone else thought that they were better than you guys. You know, if you're 11th or 14th, does it really matter? Um, but distant yeah. 14th, though. A like distant, a distant 14th, like a, distant a sizable. 14th. Yeah, which was surprising to me. I, I really thought some of these teams like Houston, um, you know, even Cincinnati, like kind of surprised to see us being dense, distant behind them. But um, with the preseason poll um, also comes the all big 12 preseason team. So there were two teams that did not get anybody on the roster. And that is UCF and Houston, West Virginia checked in with one player. That is Zach Frazier on the O line. Um, 
Yeah, I was trying to sort of rack my brain. Is there a, a next man on the roster that you can think of? Like, you know, I'm just trying to like sort of run through in my head. Um, I don't feel like anybody was an obvious snub. Um, you know, I, I, we lost a lot of guys on offense, um, especially like the receiving room. You know, we're, you know, obviously things we'll talk about as the summer progresses, but um yeah what was your what was your thoughts on that yeah i think i mean the closest thing to a snub would have been uh aubrey burks uh, i think he was yeah. a uh he made one of the all-conference teams last year i believe and if you you know subscribe to the pff stuff which we all do um you know he's one of the top grading returners in, in all of power five let alone just in in the big 12 conference so um you know i think if there was one snub it was probably him um I think there are, you know, there are a handful of guys who have the potential to be on the squad at the end of the year. But, but again, for right now, um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, you can't really even call it a snub as, as poorly as we played last year and as strong as some of the other teams in the conference are. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, these things, they are good, you know, like just like we are doing, it's a good prep for the season. These are guys to watch all that. Um, but these things don't mean anything they don't win you games they don't give you an advantage in any game like these are just um you know decisions that that media have made and you know hopefully it's a good bulletin board thing the football team uh sneaky sliding under the radar in terms of news out of the you know morgantown athletic department so um clearly like an eventful i mean did, did something happen this weekend yeah you know well you know as a mountaineer fan of course something happened um so you know an eventful last i guess you could really say two months now for the basketball team um portal i mean i don't know you could stretch a while that it's kind of been interesting there's been portal entries in um several incidents with bob huggins portal entries out new head coach and the newest development with huggins um yeah i know i know we're like kind of keeping it football for these pods but um you know do you have any sort of yeah, man. Thoughts just on like on issue. Just let us enjoy a, a fucking Saturday night, right? Like, like, why am I up at twelve o'clock or at midnight last night doing this? You know, Huggins. Huggins says he loves the state, he loves the university, all this stuff. Like, just let us suffer in peace at this point. You know, like, I mean, we're at the point now where we're pinning our hopes on a football team that we just said preseason ranked fourteenth in the conference. So, like, that's where we are right now. Like, just let us let us wallow, wallow in peace. My God. We got it. We got enough going on. You know, yeah, we got enough like, in our give hands. Give us a fucking break, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's getting messy. I think this is just kind of a lose lose situation. I, I feel like with Huggins, where it's like him versus the university is like, a, you know, a position that you know picking sides for that. Obviously, like I think the 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 last incident with him as the coach was pretty agreeable among everybody that you know like that was a line and that was a very serious incident and like not okay and then um but now you know just it's it's getting muddied up and um i feel like there's still a world where huggins can be you know here in a couple years whatever come back to a game we everyone thanks him and everything's like fine you know time heals a lot of things but um let's let's maybe put the shovel away and, and quit digging is sort of the the way i think because i feel yeah. like we're just getting deeper and deeper in a hole yeah pull the plug on it it's good we're good yeah you can come back in three years it'll be fine but like just stop yeah stop trying to bury us this is all your fault anyways just stop yeah yep it is true all right oh well, with that let us begin the deep dive series for the 2023 college football season the first game for the Mountaineers, um, three out-of-conference games to start. We have a Power 5, we have an FCS, and then another Power 5. The first game is against Penn State. This is a night game. Is it uh, Is it Beaver Stadium? It is. is. That, that doesn't sound right, but the that, that's what it came. The Beave. Um, I know it's a 100K plus stadium. Um, but, yeah, so today, you know, I guess we're not speaking specifically on the game. We're speaking on the team. And last year, Penn State was really good. Um, and, you know, when I look at the team and just sort of the year in review last year, I, I kind of find them in a funny no man's land position of like Ohio State and Michigan kind of handled them. Like, you know, it wasn't like embarrassing or anything, but like Ohio State and Michigan were better. And Penn State was vastly better than every other team they played. Um, you know, they cleaned up the entire Big Ten. Um, I think the only interesting game otherwise was 
was a bowl game, which I Utah. think in today's yeah. era, you know, you can just take less and less stock. So yeah. um, you know, a win versus Utah is a great win. But, you know, like I said, I think bowl games are whatever now. Um, what, what was your sort of thoughts on the, the Penn State team last year? Yeah, kind of exceeded expectations, right? I don't even think they were ranked in the preseason. And then, yeah, like you said, just just kind of uh, handled their business. Um, elite team defensively, which kind of is what they what they hung their hat on. Um, but also some some really good players on offense. Uh, really balanced offense. Like a lot of guys got touches. A lot of guys uh, did good things with those touches. Um, and yeah, like you said, that was good enough to. to kind of pound everybody. Um, they, they hung with Ohio State a little bit. Well, I think they lost that game by two uh, two touchdowns, but Michigan ran for like 450 yards on them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, coming into 2023, obviously they, what they have, they're probably going to be a top 10 team preseason, top 15 at least, right? Um, and so definitely some hype. And it, so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of close that gap to the to the top two. Yeah, I, I do think they'll be they'll be right in touch. I mean, I think top fifteen for sure. Um, but you know, I think you know something like eleventh, twelfth, or something something in that range is where we're probably going to see them. Um, you know, just starting to look at some of the predictions. I think Beta Rank had them at fourteenth. Um, so you know, I think the only Big Twelve team above that would be Texas, um, a team we missed. So you know, by by elimination there, this is probably the best team or as a very good shot at being the best team on our schedule this year. Um, sorry, Neil, this is the opener and you got to play it there. You got to play it at night. Um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of factors there, obviously like a great home crowd. This isn't going to be their whiteout game. Um, and you know, being the whiteout game is tough. It's, it's awesome. It's like one of those things in college football that is like a scene that's burned into your memory. Um, but man, if West Virginia was good, this would be like an argument to be a whiteout game, right? Like if we were a top 25 team, something like that, an old rival. Um, I want to say it's a diss that it's not, but like, you know, this is like a potential where we're just in such a down streak that I don't think it would be a, a serious selection for them because that's that is their big game. Uh, I'm sure they'll have it for an Ohio State or a Michigan or Michigan State, something like that. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, all right. So starting, uh, I guess, starting with the coaches, got some continuity here. James Franklin, once again, this is his 10th season. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't actually know what the perception in Happy Valley is of James Franklin, but he's run this program really well. Um, they're always right there. And, you know, I know probably with Penn State, they want to be over that top. But, you know, seeing Ohio State and the rise of Michigan in the last handful of years, like it's a tough top in that conference. Um, but 10th season for Franklin, um, we're getting an OC Mike uh, Yurchich is in his third year. So some continuity there. And then Manny Diaz is going to be in his second year at DC. Um, you might remember him back from the U for a couple years. Um, so all the main coordinators and head coach are, are going to be returning. Last year, this team was, it was a defensive team, really. Um, you know, even though they had Sean Clifford, um, this team really leaned on the defense. So seeing Manny Diaz coming back and all the production they're returning on defense, I think that is like probably the way this team is going to lean once again, um, especially with like the turnover at the quarterback position. Yeah, new starter. New starter at the quarterback position. Um, Drew Aller, I think is probably how you pronounce the last name. Um, but former former five-star guy, I think he was number one rated quarterback in the class of 22. Um, and just one of those dudes who looks like a five-star quarterback, you know, 6'5", 240, um, big dude, big arm, um, decent athlete. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he actually saw time in like eight or nine games last year. Um, so got a decent amount of snaps. I think 100 and, uh, 148 snaps is what I have written down here. Um, but yeah, big arm, uh, threw four touchdowns, uh, 72% adjusted completions last year. Decent, decent athlete. Um, so, you know, on paper and like when you look at him on screen, um, he looks like, uh, you know, he looks like a like a modern quarterback, like a Josh Allen, like just a big, big athletic looking dude. But I, I watched the spring game. I don't know if you've if you've actually spent some time like, you know, kind of watching these guys. I, I, he didn't blow me away in the spring game. You know, he he, he looked kind of timid. Um, and maybe that's just, you know, first uh, like kind of first first show as the guy jitters. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, you know, the, the pedigree is definitely there, right? Like he has all the tools to be everything that they need them to be and more. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, taking over the reins at Penn State when there's some expectations, it's not the easiest, uh, easiest role to step into. Yeah, definitely. And definitely coming off the, you know, four consecutive years of Clifford. Um, it's pretty rare nowadays you get four straight years of a quarterback. And, you know, he was he was pretty good in I would say at least three of them. Um, so yeah, big change in quarterback ball. and yeah, it's a super high bar. And with all the other elements, I almost wonder, you know, it can go both ways if there's added pressure because there's a lot of other pieces there or if that helps you sort of lean on something like the defense, like, Hey, you don't have to score uh, 45 every day to win. Like you can extend unless you're playing Ohio state. Um, you know, you can, you can probably get by in the, the high twenties or low thirties with the, the defense they're going to be fielding. Yeah. And I mean, and you look around the rest of the offense, right? Just starting in the backfield. And that's, that's a pretty nice stress reliever having the two guys, they had the Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, um, two true freshmen last year who, uh, you know, I, I burst onto the scene, I think probably doesn't even quite capture how good they were. Um, you know, they had 300 plus t- uh, carries, almost 2000 yards between them. Um, both very good. Uh, Singleton struck me as more of the, uh, the dude is just a bl- big play. I don't want to say that he's as good as Saquon Barkley was, but like um, you look at some of the runs and it's just like, he makes one dude miss and then just outruns every, everybody else's angle. And it's just like, Holy shit. That's a, uh, it's a problem. He actually, I, we'll, we'll get the special teams. He returns kickoffs too. I think he took one of those to the house. So he's the one where you just, you, you can't give him an inch or he's going to, he's going to take it a mile. Um, but both of those dudes are awesome. And I think they actually, they threw it to both of them a lot last year. So, you know, for a, for a first time starting quarterback, you know, you could do a whole lot worse than, than sharing a backfield with those two guys. Yeah, definitely. Allen and Singleton. I mean, that's your sure thing coming back for this offense is they, they had yeah. success running the ball last year. Both of these guys over averaged over five a touch. Um, and yeah, getting them involved in different ways. And, you know, I know you mentioned sort of like a Josh Allen, Allen comparison, um, you know, the way they played with Clifford really spread the ball out. Clifford had the ability to run. Um, you know, I feel like he might fit, um, fit well in this sort of scheme in this offense. So, um, having those guys, like, is for like, change, right? like it's, it's yeah. not, you know, you're not shifting skill sets. You're just plugging another guy in who can do the same kind of things. Exactly. So, you know, having that continuity, having the same OC, having like a lot of these pieces around, um, I think is really important. And I think that's a good segue just for, you know, talking about the offensive line is, you know, obviously every year we're getting turnover. That's just, that's how college sports work. Um, You're returning three of your five starting linemen, um, you know, with your backfield. I think that's like a nice combo, at least some good continuity for this quarterback. Um, You know, in terms of returning production, um, Penn State on offense, they rank a hundredth. So they actually are losing um, a lot of production coming from mainly Clifford because he did it all, including on the ground, and a couple receivers. The two receivers, um, so you, yeah, yeah. So you're losing some like a good bit of production. You're on the the lower half of that, but I think the pieces you have might make that number. Um, you know, the the calculation of how you do returning production is like a function of yards and and who's on the field and all these sort of things but i think the pieces you have i still feel like you're probably going to be confident uh that you can run the ball and and hopefully protect this quarterback yeah and you you look at the pass catchers they they lost brenton strange uh west virginia kid um who who played tight end there as well so you know you lose your top two by targets out wide but you bring keandre lambert smith harrison wallace are both back you add dante cephas from kent state coming off of two super productive years at, at kent state all these dudes average 15 plus yards a catch. Um, you know, I wouldn't say any of them are like S tier. Um, but, mm-hmm. but all three, I, I would expect to be very solid players. Um, and then the two tight ends, uh, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, um, played behind Brenton strange last year, but actually combined for, for 39 targets, 30 catches, seven touchdowns. So, you know, it's like you said, the guys that are going to be playing this year played last year, just not in featured roles. And now, you know, they're going to be stepping into those featured roles. So, um, I overall, man, my, my take on the offense is you, you have the sure things, like you said, the, the running backs, um, the offensive line, you, I think you mentioned three of five starters. It's actually, I think six of eight of their top snap count guys are, are back. The only guy they've really lost that was worth anything was, was juice Scruggs went to the NFL. Um, if if the offensive line can play decent and Aller uh, is like a C plus, 
like this offense is going to be just fine. I think, you know, just with, with the running game to lean on the dudes that wide that they can throw the ball to like, really it's, it, it, you know, you, you don't need to overthink it too much. Like there's plenty of talent here for this to be a good offense. Yeah, this is definitely one of those teams where when you're comparing it to maybe a middling P5 team, a good thing to remember is just the talent overflow. Like Penn State is always like a top 15, you know, recruiting team that are getting bodies in there. Um, And like, you know, I think we talked about the spreading of the wealth, like in the receiving room. So they had, you know, seven guys who had more than 20 targets last year. You're losing some of them, but like you just have this like churning wheel of people coming in who are getting experience. So next year they're ready to roll. And, you know, like I I think there there is a wealth of talent on offense. And the funny thing is, is the offense probably isn't the strong suit of this team. Um, you know, I, I think that they're going to be able to lean on the defense. Last year, the Penn State offense was 21st in beta rank. Um, so, you know, a pretty solid upper above average power good, five. Good to very good, right? Yeah. Yeah, like definitely good. But we've talked about this, I think, a lot last year is when college sports, if you have an elite unit and you're just pretty good everywhere else, like that can be enough. And last year they were fourth in defense, uh, beta rank defense, which that's that's sort of still going to be the anchor. Once again, um, the turnover on offense, but on defense, now you're 24th in returning production. So, yeah, a downright nasty defense last year and you're getting a lot of these guys back. Um, that's when I, when I'm thinking about the, the potential matchup here in September, that's more of what's scaring me is like, can we score on these guys? Are we going to be able to move the ball? You know, are we going to have five quality possessions for the versus these guys? Um, and, and that sort of changes like what the bar has to be for, for their offense. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really good unit last year. Um, they're in your face, man. They, they play, they play a ton of man coverage, um, Tons of havoc, so like just a standard even front, you know, four three four two five kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, up front they lose like two guys, they lose two cornerbacks, and then other than that, it seems like every single other person who did anything last year um, is back. So um, yeah, I mean, Manny Diaz, you, you mentioned, kind of overqualified to be a defensive coordinator. Guy has head coaching experience at like, uh, you know, maybe not quite the highest level, but at a very high level, um, P five head coaching experience and. His defenses have always, even at even at Miami, when you know his teams maybe weren't that good, they just they they generate havoc, man. They they cause people problems, um, and and that's been uh, true. Uh, that, that was true in his first year last year at Penn State, and uh, I expect that obviously with with everybody back to be true again this year. Yeah, I do feel like uh, one thing I sort of picked up. I know last year we talked a lot about in our previews and probably even in our reviews of Pitt, like the big thing Pitt was really good at was getting pressure their front seven they got the pressures they got the the havoc rating they got the negative plays and this penn state team is like very similar in that regard actually depending on who you're who you're um whose numbers you are using or how it is calculated um they are penn state's defense was last year top one top three in negative plays so that's really, you know, drive killers, sacks, tackles for losses. Um, that yeah. that's a that's a massive deal. Uh, and go ahead. No, I was just, I was, I was going to say, like, even if you just look at traditional stats, they were top six. Every everything that goes into havoc. So you know, t- sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, passes defended. They're in the top six of of all those just traditional counting. So even if you don't subscribe to analytics, right? It's you know, it oh, is yeah. what it is. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, right. 200, 268 pressures last year, 39 sacks. I mean, you can yeah. do the per game counts there. It's it's a lot. And like I said, that's the sort of thing that when you have a shaky offense is what sort of makes me nervous. Is like, hey, we're going to get you off schedule. It's going to be second and 14. Um, or you're going to have second and six, and then it's going to be third and 11. Like, so, like, those are the sort of things. And, you know, playing a night game at Penn State, all those sort of things compound. Um yeah, this is a crazy defense, and, and just they get all these guys back. I mean, Chop Robinson um, is probably the first guy I would I would call by name. Uh, yeah. He had an eighty nine point seven PFF grade last year, and if you know anything about PFF, that's absurdly high. He had forty pressures alone, um, and he's going to be on some list like national award list. Um, I bet. Um, so the, just the, the the pressure generation. His other edge guy is Adisa Isaac. I mean, both of these guys probably are going to be on the first two teams, all big 10. 
um, just wreaking havoc. And those are those are that's just in your just on your defensive line right there. Yeah, I think he was um, Chop. Chop was the uh, top graded pass rusher um, in P five last year, according to to PFF. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the dude, the dude is electric off the edge. Uh, he's one where, man, I actually, you know, sat down and took like eight minutes and watched, um, you know, a couple sets of his highlight tapes from last year. And yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a problem. He's a, he's a real big problem, but I mean, you, you just look up front. I know we mentioned, uh, I think he said 268 total pressures across the defense. So 188 of those came from the defensive line last year and they bring 171 of those back. So, uh, 171 of 188 pressures, 17 of 19 sacks, um, and 79 of 104 stops from, from the defensive line. And so a stop um, is, you know, basically a play that constitutes a success for the defense where the offense is not gaining, you know, a certain percentage of the yards on first or second or not converting a third down. So elite defensive line, I, I think probably, I don't know, I'm only like halfway through the, the teams that we play, but by far the best defensive line that I've scouted of any of the teams, you know, in the first half of our schedule. Um, yeah. And, and then, I feel like it, it can't even be overstated, like the strategic advantage your defense gets yeah. when your defensive line can generate pressure. Like you don't have to brain a, a fifth or a sixth or a seventh man. Well, like, hey, we're just going to get pressure on every play. And you look, I mean, they play like they play man coverage, or at least they did last year, like 50, 55 percent of the time. They played it more than any other team and than any team in the Big 12. And so like when you have dudes who can lock up outside and then you have dudes who can get pressure on their own up front, like, I mean. Like literally the linebackers have not a thought in the world except, Hey, go get the ball, go get the ball. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, you know, you listened to us last year, um, talk about the way that our, that our defense played. And it was like the exact opposite of that. It's like, you have 17 different things going through your head and you can't, you can't play fast like that. When you watch Penn state, uh, that's what jumps off uh, the screen is like the defense plays fucking fast, man. They're just like on you. As soon as you catch the ball, generally putting you down. Um, you know, like we said, I mean, two teams, had success against them last year and they were two of the top five teams in the country. So yeah, work is, yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, like the advantage of having the pass rush, the advantage of the pressure. And then, you know, football is, is very complex, but sometimes it can be very simple and it's a lot of individual one-on-one matchups. Yep. And this defense has like several dudes who are going to win the majority of their one-on-one matchups. And that's just, I mean, like it's as simple as that. They, they, They have all kinds of dudes all over the field at all the levels. Um, you know, that it's just a lot. Yeah. Whole, the whole two deeps back at, at linebacker. Right. So you have, um, Abdul Carter, uh, was freshman all American last year. I mean, so, you know, when we talk about like, okay, they don't have the, they're losing production, but the way they recruit, you had Katron Allen and Nick Singleton were true freshmen last year who ran for 2000 yards combined. And then you have Abdul Carter on the other side of the ball, true freshman. Um, they gave him the number 11. And if you follow Penn state, you know, that's that's uh you know micah parsons that's um like that's traditionally god why can't i think of the guy from from i mean the handful of guys going back right where if you get the number 11 in the penn state defense they think something of you and so i mean carter wears 11 um but yeah the whole the whole two deeps back at linebacker so you're not going to miss a beat there these dudes uh they're not just tacklers i mean they they get pressure on the quarterback um they can cover they you know complete players um yeah, it's it's daunting, man. It's just you know, uh, thankfully we're we're gonna do Pitt next as a as a pick me up because Pitt sucks. But um, but yeah, looking at looking at Penn State, man, it's like fuck. This is we we could have picked a better opener, I think. For real, yeah, and and just to piggyback off that, Lavar Arrington. So there's four Thank you. guys yeah. who've been been number eleven Penn State. Lavar Arrington had had quite a nice NFL career. Um, Navarro Bowman yep. also had a had a quite nice career. Uh, Brandon Bell and then Micah Parsons and throw this guy in the mix. You said he was a freshman last year. So, yeah, yeah. dudes all over the field. I mean, another one I would point out is Kalen King at a cornerback position. Very good. Uh, He was up there above 87 average last season. Um, Average like a pass breakup a game. And, you know, he played, um, I think he played like the most snaps or the, the second most snaps on the defense last year. So they just got a lot of guys with a lot of experience. And, you know, it's going to be tough to move the ball. It's going to be tough to move the ball for all these teams in the Big Ten who aren't the, the two that we have mentioned already. So um, do you know what the over-under for Penn State is this year? It's a very, uh, very enticing nine and a half. Nine and a half. Okay. 
And out of conference, they get the West Virginia Mountaineers, they get Delaware, and they get UMass, which is a free win. They have Michigan at home. They have to play in Columbus for Ohio State. And then everybody else is, you know, your Rutgers, your Maryland's, your Northwestern's, your teams with no offense like Iowa. Um, nine and a half is a really nice number. I mean, last year they were 11 and two and they didn't even stutter versus um, any of the other teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking through the schedule and, you know, you figure they beat Delaware and UMass and sadly, you know, I kind of feel like this is one of the two locks on our schedule like i figured they're probably going to beat us at home at night to open the season right i don't i don't see two two losses on their schedule other than or i don't see a loss other than ohio state and michigan you know and so if you need to get yeah. to 10 10 and 2 right there i mean i you know I mean, it's uh if you have some spare capital to allocate it's it's one that's worth looking at i think the middle class of the Big Ten is just not great. There's not yeah. a strong middle class. I'm going to just quickly roll off the teams. They have Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State are, are their other opponents. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, I do think this team, I mean, I don't see why this wouldn't be, once again, a top five defensive unit, which in, we know in college sports is goes a long way. So I would, I would lean the over. Um, and we will talk about it in our preview before the season. Um, as we are getting very close to beginning the season, what do you think a successful just just from from midsummer? What is a successful outcome for West Virginia in this game? Jeez, uh, cover cover the spread. Um, you know, I think um, what I think it was twenty and twenty and a half the last time that I looked at it. I mean, yeah, Ooh. if you can keep this within three touchdowns, um, you're not feeling horrible about it, right? Obviously you'd like to be more competitive than that, but like, you know, if you're, if you're playing them close, if you, it's a, it's a one and two score game for most of the game. And then they end up winning by 17. You're not going to be upset about it. Yeah. And I feel like last year we talked so much about Pitt's defense and how good they were going to be. And then we went out and scored, I think 31 points. And I was feeling really good. Not that it meant anything, but just moving the ball like this is a well, tough team and our offense has so many questions and that's a, and that's the thing right though is like if you were going to look for one and you know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here but uh michigan ran for 400 and some yards on them last year right just ran it right down their throat and you know if you were going to look for a positive it's that the strength of our team is supposed to be that like a lot of these guys that we're talking about um you know they're not small by any means but they are very much athletic Athletic players, Chop Robinson, 6'5", 240, um, which, you know, is a pain in the ass to to stop on third and 11 coming off the edge, but it's not as hard to move him out of the way maybe on a third and two, right? So, mm. um, you know, I think it's the thing you said. You, you stay on schedule. You avoid the negative plays. You know, third and 11 uh, with with Garrett Green and Happy Valley is, is not going to be a recipe for success. It's going to be second and six, third and three, first down kind of thing. So, you know, yeah. who knows, right? Who knows? But yeah, I think you, you keep it inside of inside of twenty points and look like it's the eye test, right? If we look competitive and lose by seventeen points, I don't think anybody's going to be upset. Definitely not. Yeah, I think tempered expectations coming in. Um, but Penn State as a whole, I think this is a good football team. I think this is Very good. I have not gotten through all of our teams that we play yet, but I would I would pencil them in in the poll spot of just this is probably the best roster and the best program we're going to play this year. Yeah, missing missing Texas, missing Kansas State on the schedule. Uh, th- I think they're the one. And so, you know, maybe shit, maybe we learn a lot about ourselves week one and it's a little springboard to something. But yeah, definitely going to be our hardest competition, at least till the college football playoffs. So, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens at that point. I'll drink so. That. Do you have anything else to talk about the Nittany Lions? Are you ready to move on just west down to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Yeah, a little west, a little south. Yeah, let's 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 go on down to Pitt. All right. So a team we are familiar with. Uh, maybe we haven't been for a while, but we had an up close, up close and personal experience last year. We both were at the game. Um, what a fun game for about fifty four minutes. And, and still pretty fun for about 57, um, but, you know, awesome, awesome atmosphere, awesome game just to get it back. Like, I feel like it was a a healthy hate rivalry. Like, everyone was, like, giving it to each other. 
but yeah. it was like glad to hate you again sort of sort oh, of vibes. lots of handshaking yeah like hey fuck you, know? you all right all right say hi to your mom for me you know yeah it's definitely definitely like uh i don't know it's it's what college sports are all about so yes um pit panthers this year you know I, oh, I guess just quick recap of their season last year a slightly above average acc team that might not mean a ton um the acc schedule was not super rough really a defensive team last year offense got it done at times um i mean you watched them play us and you thought the offense was great and slovis was going to be an award winner and you watched a lot of their other games and you saw the acc kind of stunk and slovis was not that guy we will play slovis this year uh but he will be in a byu uniform glad he gets to come to morgantown man he really just wanted to make it into morgantown and and that he will so um you know last year this team like i said they won a lot of games i think they were nine and four um and this year sort of some some continuity once again with the coaching staff narduzzi this is his ninth season so we just talked about james franklin and his 10th this will be his ninth for narduzzi um frank signetti jr returning at oc uh that is one that as a as a west virginia fan i'm i think that's a great hire for Pitt, and they should they should keep that guy for a long long time extension Um, yeah, I think they should. I think they should really, you know, the buyout, get it up there. Just, just really get Signetti on, inked up, um, and then Randy Bates on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Pitt's actually been really good at defense for for a while now. This is his sixth season, and he's kind of got it cooking up there. Yeah, Nard Dog's a defensive guy too. I mean, that's that's how he got the job was defensive coordinator at Michigan State, right? So, yeah, that's that's what they hang their hat on. And yeah, won nine games last year, like you said. Um, if you're very good at one thing and like not horrible at another thing, that's generally enough against the bell curve of college football, right? Um, the bell curve and then the, the tail end of college football. And so that's just kind of what it felt like last year. Like, yeah, I mean, we played pit. I, I felt like we were the better team. They won nine games. We won five. So this is just how, uh, shit goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, just kind of a standard run heavy offense and a good defense. And, and there you go. Nine and four. Yeah, this is in uh I would say the Narduzzi and Signetti style of football is is um maybe 30 years old, but it is a like um pound pound the ball, you know, we're going to be tougher than you. We're going to, you know, like screw the the analytics, the passing the ball and the fast offense. Like we're going to run the clock and we're going to like shove it down your throat. Um and you know, funny funny thing I sort of saw just comparing some numbers and looking at the the recipe last year. Pitt was really the the um was really the poor man's Penn State last year. Like they were the the generic brand. Both of them. So yeah, Pitt, Penn, Penn State. Penn State. Last, <laughs> yeah, Penn State was it. like Penn State was like twenty first in offense. Pitt was like sixty first. Penn State was fourth in defense. Pitt was like twenty first. So it was like you know similar identity, and then you know to different scales. And I think Pitt is Pitt is um. Losing a lot of guys this year, and I don't expect this team uh, to be as competitive as they were last year or dominate the ACC as well as they did last year. They're really going to struggle with some of the guys they've lost. 107th in offensive returning production, 104th in defense. So, um, as we know, as a middling power five or maybe a lower power five, if you want to say right now, we know how this goes, and college football works in waves for most of us. And and Pitt might be kind of starting to 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 drop down into a trough. I could feel this is might be a rebuild year or a reset year um, in Pittsburgh. What do you what do you think, Jordan? For, yeah, I mean, just some galaxy brain shit from Narduzzi, right? Of of like watching uh, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison win eleven games and being like, no, 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 that was way too much fun. We Let's get Signetti in. Let's get Signetti in here and fucking grind some of these games out a little bit. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of wild to me. They seem to be getting like some fringe top 25 hype, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. This is where you take like this media stuff with a grain of salt, right? Where it's like really all the preseason rankings are a measure of the narrative around a school. And like maybe somebody like looked up the stats uh, that the team had last year and is like, oh, Pitt, Pitt looked kind of good. Yeah, sure. Uh, top, They won nine games last year. Surely they'll be. And and like you said, I mean they they lose a ton, man. They, you know they lose a ton. New new starting quarterback. They lose two first team all conference dudes on both sides of the ball for the second year in a row. And for uh, all but about ten schools in America, that's 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 about enough for it to be a, a reset year. So 
Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see Pitt as a fringe top 25 team. Um, but let, yeah, let's get into that. So start on offense. Go ahead. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. Um, and, and just really quick, some math to back up what you just said. It was um, our beta rank, predicted rank this year. Uh, they have Pitt as 57. So the, the, the math is... West Virginia. Worse than West Virginia, worse than 12 of the 14 teams in the Big 12. So, you know, I, I do think I would not be, this is a fringe top 25 team. They might win some games because the ACC stinks. But moving on, the offense for Pitt. Um, I think an interesting thing going on here at quarterback position. So Phil Jerkovich um, is going to be the quarterback. And this is a transfer. He started at Notre Dame. He found his way to Boston College for a couple seasons. Um Six foot five guy. This guy has history with Signetti. So Signetti used to be the OC of Boston College, and um, he brought those those talents to Pittsburgh. So now Jerkovich is following in that in that uh, transition. You know, last year was really not great, and you know he has his looking at his like year over year numbers. I feel like last year was one of his worst years. Um, Eleven touchdowns with eight picks. He also had eight fumbles. He got. I, I don't know if he got hurt or benched, but towards the end of the season, they just shut him down the last like three games. Um, he just averaged 6.9 yards per passing attempt. Not nice. Um, not a strong runner. Kind of, you know, like I, I think he's he's been named starter, but you look through his performance at Boston College and, you know, he's not like a standout power five starter to me. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a big dude. He can kind of throw it downfield a little bit. He can kind of run. But like you said, I mean, you know, um, like C-level production as a three-year starter at Boston College. And, I, you know, that that comes with challenges, right? Boston College yeah. is Boston College. Um, and so, you know, your surroundings kind of impact how much you're able to do, right? But, I mean, you also look, uh, who's the receiver that they just got ri- uh, went to the NFL from there? Um, Zay Flowers? Uh, or no, not Zay Flowers. Um, oh God, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. Um, but they just had a dude um, go to the NFL, like first or second round draft pick. So it's not like he didn't have anybody to throw to. And yeah, I mean he he moves the needle less for me than than Keaton Slovis did, right? Like I, you know, I don't I don't see this as a this is at best a side grade from from Keaton Slovis um, at quarterback. Yeah, I kind of agree. And Zay Flowers was the guy you were talking about. Oh, Zay about. Flowers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you were right on that one. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Slovis was a bigger get than this guy. And Slovis, yeah, I mean, exactly. Slovis lit us up, but a lot of people lit us up on, you know, passing the ball. So, well, you know, I guess it's a good thing to say is that, like, <laughs> what we know about our secondary and, you know, what we know about this guy, it's not like it can't happen. This guy, Selma, the upside is that he has multiple years of Power 5 experience from yeah. Notre Dame. And a lot of experience at Boston College. Knows he, what, has, he knows what Signetti wants to do, right? Exactly. Like that's what you yeah. say. Is, is like the guy. The guy knows how Signetti wants to run an offense. And so, if you know, on a on a better team with better playmakers, being a game manager in that fashion, it's probably uh, like a nice pool. But like as a guy where you're losing a lot of playmakers um, and you don't have a lot of proven stuff coming in, I'm not sure that. Again, I'm not sure that it moves the needle much. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree is that, you know, familiarity with Signetti. Signetti might have just want him handing the ball off. I mean, that's my, maybe what he's there for. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations. And, you know, in terms of handing the ball off, last year, Pitt was awesome. Banacanda was an amazing back. Um, you know, we came into the season thinking they were going to go with a three-headed monster, and they kind of done that the, the season prior. But Banacanda really stole the lion's share of the snaps last year. Um Good. And now he's gone. So the the running back you have is Rodney Hammond Jr., which is also a really solid back. He had success, but he really took a backseat last year, um, you know, as the season went along. So, you know, I I don't think the running game is as strong as it was last year. Like I said, you're just losing so many snaps, so much production um, from a Banacando who really, like, separated himself. I remember him running all over us, you know, through the third and fourth quarter last year. So, um Hammond's, Any other names pop out to you back there? Uh, I mean, the other the other guy on the depth chart is Sebo Flymeister. Sebo Flymeister. What a name! It's a, it's a I mean, it's a first team All ACC name for sure. They have um, a couple. They honestly have a couple. I mean, you and it's, uh, you have to replace Servasier somehow, right? 
Bossier um, Dennis, great but name. Honestly, I you know Hammond is listed as a starter, uh, but he's like, dude, he's a sledgehammer. You know, he's just going to take what's there. He only had eight explosive carries and a hundred or eight explosive runs and one hundred nine carries last year, which is which is not good. Um, you know, he's going to get. I would compare him to like a Tony Mathis, right? He's a good player. He's going to run hard. He's going to be hard to tackle, but you're not worried about him going sixty yards, right? Um, yeah. And so I wonder if if Sebo. Who uh, who averaged five and a half uh, yards per carry last year, and actually I think had more explosive carries on forty carries than um, Hammond did on one hundred and nine. Like I wonder if if you know I guess it depends what kind of offense you want. Do you want to be fun or do you want to be shitty and bad? Um, but uh, I, I could see that being more of an even split than maybe we'd expect um, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean you lose Izzy 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 Bonaconda. Um Again, another first team all ACC um, name candidate there. Um, they got great names, honestly. You got Kanata Mumfield on the receiving court. You got Bob Mills, Gavin Bartholomew. We got a we got an East West Bowl team out here. But yeah, no, I think they got a lot of good names. The the backfield takes a step back. I think I think Jerkovic is worse than Slovis was, and I think the running backs are worse without Abanaconda. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the receiving core, you know, obviously coming from Jordan Addison a couple of years ago has had quite the, the fall from grace. Um, you're losing some guys this year. Like, uh, I think Jared Wayne really was your your steady hands last year. Like he first, was first team all ACC. Yeah, him him and uh, him and Abanaconda were the two on the offensive side of the ball that were first team last year. Um, yeah. 20 explosive plays, right? 20 catches over 20 yards last year, which is like two a game almost, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of crazy. That was second in the ACC. Um, Mumfield means, yeah, both back, but neither of them explosive. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, losing Addison hurt in that department. I think losing Wayne and Addison in consecutive years, um, searching for playmakers out there. I don't know. Do you see, do you see anybody? They got a they got a uh, transfer from Florida, uh, Dejon Reynolds. He's yeah. a three star guy. He didn't catch a single pass in Florida. Um, they had him in one of these depth charts as a starter. I mean, I don't really wouldn't expect that. Um, default maybe yeah but i i think the main thing is like not really adding a lot of playmakers i mean mumfield's yeah. gonna be good um he'll probably be their their go-to guy but uh you know you're losing a lot i just don't feel like at least through portal or or whatever it doesn't feel like you're getting a lot in addition so it feels like we're gonna see a watered down version of the offense last year that was already kind of middle to maybe under average for a power five offense um the o-line is gonna be fine they lose their top snap guy um minor but they're keeping i think three of the five main guys in rotation and they, i noticed they played a lot of guys last year they they had like a, a good chunk of people in rotation on the o-line they lose warren too up there um i think he and minor were two of their highest graded so you know but like you said i think nine guys had over 150 200 snaps so like they, they got bodies in um yeah. best player on the offense might be gavin bartholomew right tight end he he is a, a sleeper pick that I I called out last year and I really liked it. Uh, really liked him, and then he you know gashed us a few good times. I mean, Mumfield solid. I mean, I yeah. I did, there's not like a lot of explosive guys that it's like you know they probably have enough dudes to you know run this maybe slow tempo offense that they want to to grind it out. But yeah, they're not having the 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 picket to Addison big play offense like that's not happening this year. Yeah, I apologize. I misread my note. Gavin Bartholomew stunk last year. Um, I mis- <laughs> I misread my notes, so I, I apologize about that. Um, yeah, I'm. There are no playmakers on this offense. There are there are several good to uh, you know average to good players, but I don't think that there are any like great players out here. Yeah, yeah, and just for uh, incredibly basic stats, um, nobody returning caught more than two touchdowns. Bartholomew caught two touchdowns last year um on the running game ronnie hammond scored three times last year so abanacana made it into the end zone 20 times last year like you're just losing the guys who made the big plays once jared wayne was the the leading um receiver for touchdowns as well um jared wayne was good so yeah you're just losing a lot of the guys who made the big plays and and i just feel like the theme is I was sort of looking through the roster and, and what they're getting back is just like a watered down version of last year, which was already itself not that impressive. Um, you know, last year they really leaned on the defense and kind of a similar conversation we just had about Penn State. A lot of pressures, a lot of upfront chaos, tenacity, and 
man, I mean, they just get gutted. You lose Cansey on the D-line. You lose Morgan, and you lose uh, Servassier Dennis. Just absolutely massive blow to lose all these guys. Um, they were also in the... Uh, I'll have to pull up the pressure number again, but it was right there with Penn State in terms of you know the top in the country. Um, of those top three guys I just mentioned, that was 115 pressures. Um, and if you look at their top five guys from last year in terms of pressures, it's 166 pressures. All five of those guys are gone. So it's just like a, it's like a line change. It's just like, these guys are not here anymore. God, I, what do you have left? I feel horrible, uh, for Pitt having to, to replace all that production. God, that's going to be tough for them, huh? Yeah, um, that stinks. Yeah, no, I so, so top four, just the defensive line alone, the, the top four guys for pressures are all gone. Um, Cansey was an early round draft pick. Johnny Morgan's, I think, on an NFL roster somewhere. I don't, I don't care enough to follow him and find out. Um, they do have a couple guys back, right? Dayon Hayes, uh, Green's back, Danielson's back. Those guys played against us. Um, I feel like those three guys are are proven starters, right? Those guys are, are you, you know, what you're going to get from them. Um, maybe they're not going to be at the level of a, of a Johnny Morgan or, or a uh, Kalaja Cansey that you lose, but they're not going to be. They're not going to suck. They're 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 going to be fine. They're going to be solid power five starters. Um, you know, it's it's the depth, right? I think where you're, you're throwing in three or four guys because Pitt went Pitt went what like twelve deep? Didn't we talk about this before the game last year? Pitt like they got bodies in. Oh yeah, um, they went like oh, yeah. ten or twelve deep on the defensive front uh, last year, and you know you're going to have a ton of new faces in there, and like so, can those guys be at the level? Like Pitt recruits okay. Pitt recruits as well or maybe slightly worse than us, I think probably over the last handful of years, um, which is, you know, average, average power five recruiting. And so are those guys going to come in and in their first year of starters immediately be Kalijah Kansi or Johnny Morgan? I don't know. It's hard to see. Um, and then, yeah, same, I mean, same thing at the second level, right? Where you're losing Servasia Dennis, um, Tyler Wiltz, um, but there are there are some bodies, uh, you know, Simon Kamara, the Shields. They all played their back. Um, what do you mm-hmm. think about the second level of defense? Yeah, I mean, I think they have a decent core there. I mean, obviously, you know, for for what you get losing Servasia Dennis, but um, yeah, Kamara and Simon stood out to me just in terms of solid grades. Played a lot of snaps last year. Um, you know, Kamara is going to be your leading pressures guy coming out of last year. He had twenty three, which is like you know not a number to sneeze at, but that was sixth on the team. That'd be so, like second on our team, though. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> it was a defense that was like predicated on that. But um, yeah, your top five guys gone there. I think, and I just my perception of this team is that it was almost a shift from like you kind of went strong from the front line, the D line back, kind of got worse this year. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I just don't know how to really anticipate what to think about their D line, the linebacking core. I think you have some guys who played enough snaps and did well. And then if you really push the secondary, I mean, I think probably their two best guys maybe are probably MJ Devonshire and Marquez Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, both of these guys played really well last year. Um, and you know, it's kind of, kind of going to be a change I'm sure you remember Devonshire from the West Virginia game, but you know he graded out over seventy-five. Uh, just n- nothing crazy. It's no big deal. Um, but he, yeah, he graded out awesome. He played over six hundred snaps last year. Williams played over four hundred and fifty snaps. He graded out an eighty-four, which is awesome for a cornerback. So you kind of got two really good corners, um, and I, I think that's something that. Maybe this defense is, you know, it's kind of flipped to the secondary where that might be more of their strength this year, at least more than it has been in the past. Yeah, they played a ton of zone last year, um, but they did have. So, uh, you know, it's I guess um, I, I guess like a nickel or so. I don't know. So Eric Hallett is a guy who is gone from their team from last year who played a ton of mm-hmm. slot corner for them. Um, and so I'm looking at this and yeah, they have Devonshire and Williams and then they have A.J. Woods, redshirt senior who is not listed as a starter, but like also played a good bit and played last year. So like, I'm curious to see which of those, uh, like I assume one of those three is going to try and pick up where, where Hallett was. Um, and then the safeties. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, the balance of power has, has definitely shifted back and I'm not sure that that's a good thing for the way that they, uh, well, definitely that the way that they played last year. Um, yeah. so I don't know. A lot yep. of, a lot of unknowns, definitely not as much depth as they've had, 
um, the last two years. Yeah, on the defense. And I, I just want to, I just want to mention their schedule too. So they open with Wofford, so that's a layup, and then the week before they come to Morgantown, they play um, the Big Twelve team, Cincinnati. Um, so that's in pit, but that'll be a really interesting game, a really, really interesting measuring stick. That's the week pit, uh, West Virginia is going to be playing a, um, Duquesne. So we'll have the layup, maybe get a little scout in on Cincinnati that or Cincinnati versus Pitt. That'll be really interesting. Then they come to Morgantown and play, and then you have your standard ACC schedule. So UNC, VT, Louisville. I mean, this is insane. Okay, just listen to this. Like, Pitt is not a good team, but tell me why they couldn't be like six or seven and zero. Wofford, Cincinnati, West Virginia, UNC, Virginia Tech, Louisville. Then they would play Wake Forest. So they could like uh, you got to hold your hats on or hang your hat on on UNC there. Um, I mean, aside from us, they're not beating us, but yeah, I just just like the the schedule is not crazy. So then they do yeah, have Notre Dame, schedule, right? Like. I know it's Penn State, it's, Pitt, Texas Tech, TCU. Like, give me a fucking. Eh. Anyways, go yeah. On, sorry, I was just gonna continue. They got Notre Dame. Then it kind of gets tough on the back half there. They get Notre Dame, Florida State, who a lot of people are high on, Syracuse, Boston College, and Duke to finish the season. But like, you look through that ACC, they don't even play Clemson. They don't yeah. play like you know. It's like not a crazy conference schedule. So like, they might win no some good games. Teams. You were you were yeah, searching for another name there. There's there's not another good team. There's Florida State and oh they don't play Clemson and then that's that's the entire conference right there. Do you know what the over under for Pitt is? I do. Um, it's six and a half. Oh. I mean, this is one. I mean, like, just immediately, what's going through my head is like, hey, I don't think this team is as good as they were last year. They won nine games last year. And would, they were just it, all conference games. I mean, would it sway you at all if I told you that Beta Rank is projecting 4.4 wins? 4.4. Wow. That's that's pretty surprising. And that's counting. Well, may, is that including the Wofford game? Because sometimes Beta Rank doesn't count the FCS games. Oh, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. So, so 5.4. 5, 5. 5.4 games. I mean, still, that's that's a healthy bit under the number. I don't know enough about some of these ACC teams like UNC or, or Wake Forest. I mean, I think Notre Dame's a tough one to draw out of conference, so I will yeah. give them some respect for that. But, um, yeah, man. I My gut, my emotions aside, my gut on Pitt is that just like, I think they're going to be watered down from last year. I think they're going to be like six or seven wins because of the conference they play in. Um, I think they'll be fine, but I don't think they're going to be as electric as they were the last two two three years i i feel almost as uh, almost as strongly about this under as i do about the penn state over um i think so i mean notre dame and and florida state are both here i'm pulling up their stupid schedule real quick so okay so wofford's a win um cincinnati coin flip cincinnati wvu they probably get one of those they probably get one. Right. Yeah. So if you're a Pitt fan, you're as happy with two and one as West Virginia fans are. Right. Like, but one and two is not out, out of the realm of possibility, just as it's not for us. North yeah. Carolina, they get them at home. Uh, obviously, Rockus home field advantage for North Carolina noon on a Saturday and in, in, in the act. Uh, have to go to Blacksburg. Um, then you get Louisville at home for homecoming. Yeah, this is just a stupid. Sk- like, God, I can't. <laughs> can't like they'll probably lose game. three straight versus wake forest notre dame florida state like I that's probably play. three in a row you're losing but like they're probably gonna win a lot of like boston college duke to close the season like yeah it's they'll probably more. win those it's two more yeah six six feels like it might be the number i don't know um oh uh fun fun trivia so i know we said kansas is second highest returning production did you know that florida state is is the highest from a 10 win really? last year so if you're if you're looking for a nice over under, I think they're at nine and a half as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm sure they have Clemson, but probably a lot of ACC fodder Clemson, in there. And I think they open the season with LSU, but other than those two oh. teams, um, a lot of wins on the schedule. Yep. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, so Pitt, I don't know over six over six and a half. I think is going to be tough, considering that you you know you play you play us, you play Cincinnati. Uh, Notre Dame, I guess, isn't technically out of conference, but it's 
not in conference. Uh, it's tough. So, mm-hmm. or is it in conference now? I don't. I don't remember what okay. the the state of that is, but it is in the middle of the conference schedule. But Notre Dame obviously plays a weird schedule, so yeah. Um, I know. I might have to. I might have to think about that a little longer. I would lean under, but it the feels ACC like a five hundred like team. Has to, yeah, it feels like, like a five hundred team. Like I feel like we're gonna beat them. Uh, Notre Dame, Florida State are gonna beat them, and then, you know, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that is the Pitt Panthers, and we talked Penn State. Duquesne, I don't know if we'll, we'll throw a 30-second bit they're, in there at some point. They're, but in, trouble. they're, 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 they're in big trouble. They're, they're a team that we will have probably just come off a double-digit loss, and we will probably eviscerate them in the first half and then throw some <laughs> other guys out there. Um, so that moves us forward, our next deep dive. We will be taking two teams from Texas, the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the national champion runner-up TCU Horned Frogs. TCU will be interesting because that's a refresh team. Texas Tech is on the rise um, for sure. So um, excited for the next deep dive. Uh, anything else you have to add today, Jordan? I want to, uh, to shout out Mr. Josh Witt and the Unreasonable Doubt podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Good call. Guy gave us a nice shout out on his, um, and I listened. And uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking for some very uh, educated fan opinions of the what's going on with the basketball team, which you know, I think we could all we could all use a little bit of that right now because it's, it's just fucking crazy everything that's going on with basketball. But are you? You're, you're uh, not saying we should have like calculated opinions, right? And not just no, no, get no, 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 out there. no, no, no. We're shooting wildly from the hip. Um, but, uh, but you know, if you're looking for a good West Virginia basketball podcast, Josh Witt, unreasonable doubt guy knows his shit. Um, check him out. Um, check him out. He's uh he's, if you wherever you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to find his, um, just type it in unreasonable doubt. It's a good podcast. Um, other than that, you know, Definitely. eat shit pit. I, I'd be remiss to not, to not say that. Wait, I have a, I have a 45 second story that okay. I'll throw in if you're still listening to this pod. Um, I was golfing <laughs> this morning. Past an hour, so we're yeah, going. yeah, yeah. I was golfing this morning. Was wearing a WVU hat, and we got uh, me and a buddy got paired with um, a couple, and like not like super old, maybe like 50s, um, late 50s. And I was wearing a hat, maybe like the seventh tee. The guy was like, I used to think Ohio State invented the tailgate. And then I went to a game in Morgantown. And I'm in Columbus, Ohio, by the way. So Buckeye country. The guy said, yeah, until I went to Morgantown. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, what took you to Morgantown? Like, why were you at a game in Morgantown? He's like, I was there for work. And he was explaining it, whatever. But he had field passes. And he was like, it was actually like a really important game. This was back in like the 80s. He was like, it's a big deal. Everybody was really excited about it. Before game festivities were awesome. He's like. West Virginia beat Penn State. It was like the first time they'd ever done it. And they put finally up on the scoreboard. And he's like, and I was on the field. He was at that game? He was at the game on the field. It was his first, yeah. And he's like not even a fan. Like he just was there. But for some reason he had a camera um, and something. He was like helping with the Special Olympics. And he, but for some reason he had a camera and he was like getting B-roll for the the thing. And he was telling me about this play where like, a receiver caught the ball and he's streaking down the field. And he's like, it's like a 75 yard touchdown. And he's like at the end zone with a camera, just like getting B roll. And the guy runs up and like points right into his camera thinking he was like the live feed or whatever. And he was just getting B roll for some <laughs> video. And he, he's like, I have that video. He's like, it's awesome. It made the cut. <laughs> he still has so, it? Oh my God, dude. That's yeah. incredible. So that's my random Columbus, Ohio encounter today, which was very oh, fitting dude. since we were talking Penn State. Um, he was like, that's yeah, it was a big deal. Was, they beat Penn State. I was like, yeah, that's like one of the biggest games in Mountaineer history. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never heard about that game before, right? Like, geez. Dude, yeah. That's wow. Wow. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Nice guy. So. He probably, he probably shot like high 80s too. Decent golfer. So Yeah, there you go. Dude, that's Sweet. Awesome. All right. Well, that, I think that'll wrap it up. Um, so you can find us on smokymusket.com. You can find us on Twitter at West by pod with underscores in between. You can find us uh, at WV Stats Guy or at Game Day Shorts. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with uh, another deep dive next week. Thank you guys for listening as always. One, two, three.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.